morning on spiritual gifts. Uh, just a, not really what they are, but how they're supposed to operate in the congregations and how, if, with the people of God. Some spiritual gifts don't even happen within the building of the church. But we want to look at them and understand what they are. Who knows how God's going to lead me from here in the future as maybe even cover them, some of the gifts particularly um, that God wants us to talk about. I don't know. Uh, right now, he's kind of left me uh, just to put it out this way as far as what spiritual gifts are and how they're to be used. And then if he wants me to go on further, um, if I get into spiritual gifts, it could be a long time before we finish those rascals. Because I think uh, I counted one time there's something like 26 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. So uh, that sounds to me like about 40 weeks of preaching. But I just want to cover it, and I want to cover it out of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. So while you turn there in your scriptures, we'll turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the word of God and the teachings within it that lead and guide us into all truth. Our prayer is this morning, you'll give us an understanding and knowing what we need to be as far as being the child of God you've called us to be and with the gift that you've given us or the gift that you've withheld from us or whatever the gift is, uh, Lord, we just want you to have your way in everything we do and say. So bless, we pray this morning, this hour, that we'll go forth a better people having given heed to the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, I want to read the first 11 verses. Now, remind, remember, now we're talking spiritual gifts now, so keep that in mind. How many of you think you got a spiritual gift? Hmm, yeah, that's cool. Now, while I'm reading this, you just think about, ah, uh, is that mine? Or you think maybe God's leading me in another direction. Who knows? Um, over my 46 years, there have been spiritual gifts that I felt came and went and more came and, you know, whatever the situation was, God used me in. Uh, I can't do all things. You know, you can't be all things to all people, you know, but where God is leading you and using you, you want to be beneficial to the kingdom of God. Okay? First one says, now concerning spiritual gifts. That word gifts there is in italics. That means it wasn't there in the original writings. So if you look that word up in verse 1 there, in your concordance, it'll show that the word gifts is there, but you won't see an explanation for it to the side. You know how they do the number thing? And you can look it up and see what it means. There'll be no number for that word gifts right there. But we're in uh, good shape because when it comes on down into the scriptures here, he's talking about spiritual gifts. So the translators put the word gifts in verse 1 just so we don't get lost when we're coming down through there and understanding what he's speaking about. So concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols even as ye were led. Now these... He's writing to the church in Corinth. This is not what you would call a real Jewish popular church. In Jesus' day and time, you were either a Jew or a Gentile. There was no in-between. You were either uh, on God's team or you wasn't, uh, if you want to look at it that way. And the dumb idols don't mean duh, dumb. It means they couldn't speak. Idols that the Gentiles worshipped were things that couldn't, talk to their hearts or couldn't explain things to them. God's not in the operation of running a church with silence that runs it. He is an outspoken God and he's done it through his word and through his spirit in the New Testament. So here we go. Wherefore I give unto you uh, to understand that no man speaketh by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in administration, but the same Lord. There are adverse, diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
For to one is given the spirit of word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these things, all these worketh that one and the, and the, the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. All right. That is the introduction to spiritual gifts. To uncover the, the scriptures and the idea of spiritual gifts to some people is a time to self-examine their place and their work in the kingdom of God here on earth and in the present time and situation where God wants to use us. We need to know that we are doing God's will. Do you want to do God's will? Or did that, was that something you did when you got saved and now you don't care about it? No. It's an ongoing work. It's something that has to be continually done. And as God's will is carried out in your life from time to time, He's going to be laying at your heart's door something to challenge you to be what you need to be in the kingdom of God. Amen? Let me say this right up front. No one is a natural at spiritual gifts. They just don't come natural. You're not a born spiritual gifted person. It just does not come naturally. Amen? If what you do in your phase of the church is natural, it's probably because you have more talent than you do a spiritual gift. Amen? Amen. So if I ask you to teach Sunday school, you say, no problem. I know everything in the Bible. I'll teach that. No problem. You know? I don't even have to study, don't have to look. No, you're trying to relay on flesh instead of natural ability, instead of listening to the Spirit of God. Amen? So, yes, God can use all the talent in the church. Wish we had more. But God can also replace talent with someone that the Holy Spirit gifts in that same position. Hmm, did you ever think about that? Amen. I have often said God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Being called of God is more important than being an expert in a field that you probably are not going to use in the kingdom of God anyway. For example, there are people that I think are natural teachers. Man, they, you can just sit and listen to them talk all day long on a subject. I don't know if they know what they're talking about or not, but man, they sure sound good. Amen. And by the end of the day, they'll convince you they know everything about it. And then in actuality, it may not work out the way they taught it at all. Amen. But I've heard teachers that taught and the results were greater as they exercised the spiritual gift of teaching. Why? Because it was not just what they thought on that subject. If God wants something taught, he can inspire a saint to do some things in that teaching area. Number one, they need to pray about it before they teach it. Number two, it wouldn't hurt to meditate a little bit on those thoughts. Get alone and let God search your heart on that subject before you stand and teach it. Number three, study it out in the scripture. What's the word of God got to say about it? This is any subject you wanted to teach on. It doesn't matter from A to Z. Any parable, any story, anything you want to teach, Old Testament or New. These rules or these restrictions, if you would, would apply in doing it the right way. And number four, then you need to teach it and be humble about what you taught to the audience of God's people for everyone else to receive the help you got in your prayer, study, meditation, 
and all you're doing to prepare for this teaching, then they'll receive the help that you got. I've, I've heard it said, and I believe it. The teacher gets more out of the class than anybody else because of what he prepared, what effort he had to put into, what took place, or she, either way, in getting ready to teach whatever God laid on their heart. You see, there's no spiritual gift in the life of someone that doesn't have the Holy Spirit in there. The spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And he just doesn't pass them out like a smorgasbord at the restaurant and you just go up and pick out the one you want and take it back to your plate and enjoy it. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't just say, uh, well, this week you're going to be this or that or the other. He got, wants you to have time to spend with him. The spiritual gift is given to people that have the Spirit of God. Amen? Everybody got that? All right? So you, all those people that want to get up and tell you how spiritual they are, but their life is void of the Holy Spirit, they may be natural teachers. They may be nice people, even good moral people, but they've not got the Spirit of God's gifting if they don't have the Spirit of God. Amen. They may be operating on natural ability, natural talents. They may be even given their own personal uh, opinion of the subject, but if they don't have the Spirit of God, they're just uh, breathing hot air, and it's not going to accomplish what the Spirit of God wants it to accomplish. You see, spiritual gifts are God's opportunity for God to use you personally in the kingdom of God to make a difference in the work that God sees is important. See, we all have a part to play. Amen. Yeah. And God will help us in all those opportunities to see what he wants us to do. All right. For example, not everybody can sing well or good or however you want to see it. Amen. But you all ought to sing. You know why? Because we have a congregational. Amen. That's an opportunity for you just to sing your heart out. Amen. I know I got the gift of singing when they say, let's all stand and sing together this song. Amen. I'm right in there. I'm bellering out with the best of them. Amen. But now, don't give me a mic and stand up and say, now sing this solo, because that's probably not going to be the gift that God wanted me to have that day. Amen. But see how that is? Not everybody can preach. Amen. It just is that way. But if God can find a specific position in the work of God. Number one, you need to possess the Holy Spirit. Number two, you need to make yourself available to God to be used in that particular area because how can God use you if you don't show up for the service to begin with? Amen. And number three, perform at the opportune time and do it for the glory of God. If you're doing it for yourself, and you say, even if you think you're gifted of God to do it, but you don't care who hears, and I don't care whether they listen or not, they can just do whatever they want with it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to, you know, the Spirit of God is not for bragging rights. Amen? God used you to, to sing a song and everybody's flying hankies and crying and running the aisles and throwing songbooks. Well, praise the Lord. You know, if they want to call that worship, however you want to call it, you know. But spiritual gifts, when you get down from singing that song, you shouldn't get down saying, man, wasn't I great. Man, oh man, I don't know how that church survived without my singing. Oh my. All right, but it's not bragging rights. If God wants to use you, it's for his glory and not yours. You sing for any other reason, you're singing for the wrong reason. You see, remember, I've been telling us for a long time, there's two kinds of Christians, the humble and those that are going to be humbled. So if you're doing what God wants you to do, do it humbly as you know how. Amen. Not for bragging rights. Let God have the glory for it because it remains to be seen 
what work can be done in the kingdom of God when we don't worry about who gets the glory or the credit for what gets accomplished. Have you ever heard me say that before? Should have because it's on a board out in the, right above that window on the other side of the wall. Amen. So you can read that uh, when the service is over. All right, here we go. Back in uh, the first verse there in our text, Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to the Corinthian church. Again, this church, it, it took two letters for him to get the point across to them. Did you know that there's a 1 Corinthians and a 2 Corinthians? And both of them got several chapters. I think 1 Corinthians got 16 and 2 Corinthians got 13. So that's 29 chapters as we break it down in our New Testament that Paul wrote to this church because of all the opportunities, I won't say problems, all the opportunities that God wanted to see corrected in this first century church. All right? And when he gets to verse 1 there, he says, concerning these spiritual gifts, I want you to all understand what's going on here. Did they understand spiritual gifts in the first century? You better say I reckon. Otherwise, he would have been wasting paper and ink to write to them about it. Now, were they correct on it? Was it they doing it right according to what the Holy Spirit was telling Paul to write? No, they were probably out of step with the Holy Spirit. And one reason probably is, I'm not giving them an excuse or anything, but these were Gentiles. These were not Jews. These were not the people that God drug out of Egypt. These are not the ones that drug uh, into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. These are the ones that don't have a heritage of what's taken place in their life. And, of course, the Jews hung on to that heritage. And if you would, snubbed or turned their back on anybody that wasn't a Jew, you know? So in the first century, they probably had heard a lot about spiritual gifts from if you would, the Jews, or even the evangelists who were spreading the gospel around the world in the first century. But now here we go. We have got some people that know about spiritual gifts, but they're not really thinking it through. Sometimes, rubber Rob, sometimes people think in logic or common sense and think from the flesh rather than the spirit. I think I heard that somewhere. Okay, but anyway, let me read the first three verses there from the Everyday Bible on, on chapter 12. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. You know the way you lived before you were believers. Ah, we're talking to Gentiles now, remember. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols, things that could not speak. So I want you to understand that no one who is speaking with the help of God's Spirit says, Jesus, is a, Jesus be cursed, and no one says Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, he starts out with spiritual gifts by saying the way you relate to Jesus makes a difference. You can say he's a curse, you can say he's Lord, eh, but if you don't have the Spirit of God backing what you say, then that means nothing. You can say you're a Christian, but if you curse Jesus, hmm, what's that say? Or you can say, oh, Jesus is my Lord, but you live a different way. Amen. So, first of all, the Holy Spirit wants us to understand something about the subject on the Spirit of God. Before you were saved, you had a life. How many of you? Be honest with me and raise your hand on this. How many of you went to church before you got saved? Hello. You know, most of us was drug in there by our moms, by the shirt collar. When we didn't want to go, we thought it was boring. We wanted to be out playing football or baseball or playing with our dolls in the nursery, and we didn't want nothing to do with the preaching or anything else. But then the Holy Spirit has a way of getting a hold of our hearts. And he directs our lives, and you come to the knowledge, ah, playing with nursery dolls when I'm 36 is just not really all that exciting. Maybe I ought to get saved, right? So we come to the conclusion. But here Paul is, is, and the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, 
a lot of the things that you did when you went to church, you now carry over as habits or talents. Yeah, you even sang before you got saved if you came as a young one to church, didn't you? When everybody else was singing Amazing Grace, man, you jumped right up and let them have it. Amen. It wasn't because you were uh, gifted by the Spirit of God to say everybody was doing it, so you jumped in. Amen. Maybe you had a lot of talent to sing. Amen. That's fine. But when it comes to what you did before the church or in the church or around the church or for what you'd say for God's glory before you got saved, it don't really count. What you have to do is live for God after you get saved. Now, the things you did for God that were good things, maybe you worked in the church and you mowed the grass around the building, that would be nice. Amen. Maybe you worked in the bus ministry. You didn't know anything about being saved, but you wanted to be a part because they, they went out and visited a lot of kids and you wanted to go, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. But whatever you do, you want to do it because it's the thing you should be doing. So before you were saved, you had a life. Some of you were probably pretty good young'uns. Those of us that were raised in the church and some of us uh, that weren't raised in the church, we probably weren't the best examples to be around. But in the context of the first century in Corinth, salvation was happening really, really, really fast. The Gentiles had the door slammed in their face for centuries. And now, through the preaching of the truth of the gospel, the door of salvation now is open to the Gentiles. Amen? I could picture that as it was a flood coming in. And if you want an example, read Acts, the second chapter. Man, Peter preached a couple messages in Acts, the second chapter, and 10,000 ended up getting saved. Wasn't that a great day in the kingdom of God? Well, I can see that whole feverish pitch about the thought of salvation spreading over the countryside in the first century where everybody was doing, if you would, their thing in their way and wherever they could get it to happen. So it was happening fast. That truth was spreading quickly. And the light of the life of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, which included his teachings, his miracles, his healings, and ultimately his sacrifice of death, burial, and resurrection and ascension back to his Father's right hand in heaven, if you would, and followed by the disciples. Man, were they full of zeal? Did they want to see great things happen? Even some of them, I think, were on fire for God that were probably just interested in the Jewish part of it, not even interested in spreading the world, word somewhere else. But even like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they were on fire for Christ because they firsthand saw what he did and how he lived. So they wanted to be, if you would, one of those spiritually gifted people that spread the gospel everywhere. So being passionately testifying about Jesus Christ in the first century, they sh shared the plan of salvation with everybody. Now they didn't have to just uh, testify to the Jews. They could testify to anybody that came along. And when they got to Corinth, it was the biggest city, I guess you could say, or the biggest gathering of people on the, the Sunday morning services. Man, it was a crowd that you just couldn't hardly, and man, they were excited. They wanted to be in on what Jesus brought them. They wanted to share in the miracles that not only they heard of Jesus doing, but may even have seen them. They may even had firsthand knowledge. Some of them, Jesus even touched some of them that weren't Jews and healed them. Amen. Sometimes the scripture says he just healed them all. Wow. How does that spread in the gossip range around the countryside when he does something like that. From the north, south, east, and west, he just healed everybody that showed up. Well, then they will all go home to the north, south, east, and west. Did they tell somebody about it? You better reckon. Amen. So here we have them, both Jews and Gentiles, ready to accept the gospel. But now, 
many of the Gentiles that came to the conclusion that they were not the world's creator. See, that's what I think the problem is with a lot of people. They think salvation revolves around them, that they created all this, and, and God's, they don't really entertain that thought. But God was the creator of everything. But they've come to recognize that someone greater than them was in charge of this world going around and around. And it's not because of dumb idols that they had been taught to worship. Now, it was one thing for a Gentile to be taught by other Gentiles, we need to worship the sun, the moon, the stars, or, or if you don't worship that, the clouds, they're going to cut off the rain, we're going to all go into famine and die, or whatever they were taught. But when they prayed to the sun, did the sun answer them? When they prayed to the moon, what happened? Hey, it was because they saw the beauty of those things, had no idea how they got there. They had nothing to do with it. They couldn't change it. They couldn't alter it. They couldn't do anything to make it shine on them any brighter or any less. But they learned through the Gentile teachings or pagan teachings that worshiping idols was the right thing to do. Amen. They worshiped the trees. And they give fruit. They get leaves on them. You get to rake them every fall. You get to clean out your gutters on your house. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All because of those wonderful trees. Amen. They give the squirrels a place to build a nest. Amen. They take care of a lot of things. They worship the animals. The animals, you know, they were could be tamed. You know, a lot of them had cows living right in their houses with them. They're right in their front yard. Free-range chickens. Amen. And they thought they were blessed because they had one that'd leave them an egg at the front step every day. Amen. For breakfast, well, we'll just worship these things. Because of their natural ability, they used those things. And, and if they didn't use the trees to worship for what they brought in the way of fruit or whatnot, they used the wood for the carvings of idols and statues that they made. Amen. People would uh, take that wood and carve it up and, and make it look like something and put it up on a pedestal and everybody would bow down to it. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar even taught that, didn't he? Didn't he say every time you hear music, bow down and worship this idol? Huh. Well, there were three boys who said, I ain't. Amen. Now they got thrown in the fiery furnace for it, but God delivered them even at that. But you can see where idol worship is the base root to a lot of things that people have when they don't know God. When you don't know God, it's hard to tell what you're going to give your allegiance to. Might be your wallet, might be your nice car or your nice house that you've invested so much blood, sweat, and tears in plus money and making payments on it. Man, I got the nicest house ever. Well, it could disappear with one electrical strike from a lightning bolt. Amen. One tornado could wipe out not only yours, but the whole city block. Amen. I've seen it. So don't worship the things that can be made or that don't speak to you. But verse 3 says in the King James, wherefore, now what's that mean? That's one of our study words. In other words, based on what I've told you about spiritual gifts in the first two verses, wherefore, or take note of this, and in the everyday it says, I want you to understand. All right? So you got the picture? No one speaking for God can call Jesus a curse. That was probably being done on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but whenever I was in the working world, I'm glad I work in my own garage now where I can control what people say when they come in there and their, their finger gets smashed or something doesn't go their way, right? And what they say about Jesus in my garage is different than what I heard when I was running around the countryside fixing things for Sears. 
Amen. When people use the name Jesus or God, in most cases, it wasn't in a worship or praised atmosphere. Amen? Well, here we go. And just like that today, when something doesn't go wrong, doesn't go the way the sinner wants it to go, they choose somebody to blame. And it's usually Jesus or God. Amen. So that's how they curse and use his name in vain, the way I see it. Amen. Now, I know there's other interpretations of what using his name in vain means, but when you use that uh, God's name and then add a, something else to it, um, that's vain. And yet, if something good happens in their life, who's the first one they want to be, that wants to be praised? Usually not God. It's usually themselves. Amen? That's how it works in the world where we're at when it comes to, if you would, spiritual gifts. But Paul says, even when things are looking up in your life, don't assume it's because you think Jesus is Lord with the Holy Spirit working your life in the humble walk of salvation. Amen. Don't assume that. Because if you do, you're going to take credit for it. Amen. Either way, if someone's cursing or someone's blessing, amen, someone uh, is going to be uh, doing something that's automatic in their way of looking, and it makes them spiritually gifted in their own minds. That gifting needs to be the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives and not their own way of thinking what God's trying to get accomplished in the day and time where they're acting on what they run into in their lives. So, all right, with that being said, you should now know what the Spirit of God wants to say about spiritual gifts. Now in verse 4, Paul writes that there are all kinds of spiritual gifts but they're all from the same Spirit. Verse 4 tells us that. Verse number 5, these, gift for, these gifts are different in application, but again, it's the same Spirit. Verse 6, there's all kinds of operations, but the same Spirit. Amen. Amen. Just because you're a teacher and you hear someone else teach, and they don't teach it the way you did, don't mean they're wrong. Amen. If the Spirit of God's leading them, we all need to hear it, different angles. I don't know how many times I've heard speaking on different subjects of this Bible, and I hear them from all different angles. You know what? I can profit from all of them, unless I know them to be false based on what the Word of God teaches. Amen. So that's the way we can work and see this thing uh, work out for God whether it's the, the same spirit that gives us application or the same spirit that gives us operations, it's the same spirit that does it all because we are in the God's hands as we do what we do for God. Can you see a pattern here? It's God's call because only God knows what's best for the overall good of the kingdom of God for each of us. It's all about doing our part for the kingdom. So, in verse number 7, this is the key verse to what he's talking to us about there. And we need to underline this one. This one you need to memorize. This one you need to etch down in your brain to where nobody can take it out. It says, but the manifestation, so whenever any of these gifts are happening, Whenever they're singing, teaching, preaching, you name it, healing, gifts, or whatever, all right, whenever any of those gifts happen, the Spirit is given that gift to every man to profit with all. You know what it means to profit with all? That means when I do something by the gift that God gave me, everybody should profit from it. It should be a benefit to everybody would I do it, not just me. Amen? When I sing, you all should profit from it if I'm singing in the Spirit of God, by the gift of the Spirit of God, right? That's why he didn't gift me with singing. And if he didn't gift you with something, don't do it. Amen? Now, we're going to get into that a little bit, but not too much. 
So the key here, and you can underline it or highlight it in your Bible or whatever, the manifestation of this or whatever you should see in every Christian is what the Spirit of God is doing for the good of everyone else in the kingdom of God. Amen. If I have the gift to do something and I do it, you don't need to be jealous. Amen. God just chose to use me in that situation. And if I see the Spirit of God working in anyone else, I don't get jealous. I don't say, well, I could have done better than him. He did a lousy job. Well, no, I don't. You know, only thing I can do better than most of you is sing, but we'll just leave that for later. Amen. We all know the truth on that matter too, don't we? So, in other words, everyone in the church should be blessed and profit from the gift God called you to perform. Whatever it is. Amen. Whatever you do for the kingdom of God, the church should be blessed by it. The everyday Bible says it's for the common good instead of profit with all. It's just common good of everybody that they should get something out of what everyone else does when they're called of God to express the gift that God gave them. If you're the only one being blessed by your gift, hmm, maybe it's not the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Maybe it's the gift you thought it was. Or maybe you're being led by another spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. But we need to know the difference and how you're going to tell whether you got the spiritual gift in your life. It's easy. When you use it, everyone benefits. Huh. If I had the gift to preach and nobody was here to preach to, that wouldn't be any good, would it? Amen. If I preach a message and everybody that meets me at the back door says, that's the worst message I ever heard. You're a dumb blockhead. You never study. You never read. You never pray. Well, I know I do, but, you know, I would have to think, man, maybe I don't have the gift or whatever. Uh, but I'm glad that's not the case. Now we know that the Spirit of God is the one that pulls the strings in the kingdom of God on spiritual gifts and not we ourselves. I don't get to deal out spiritual gifts and tell, aha, next week I want to hear you sing for me now, Dennis. Amen. I don't get to do that. Now I'm not going to embarrass anybody with that. Brother Tom, I want you to teach Sunday school next week. No, nah, that's not my position. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to embarrass anybody. And if you don't, uh, and if you have what you think's the gift of God, what are you supposed to do? Hmm. Come tell me about it. We'll make room for you. Amen. You got a hot burning message on your heart that you think's going to bless this church and pack the seats? Tell me about it. Amen. If you can do a better job than me. Hey, I'm ready for retirement anyway. We'll move on. We got better things to do. We'll get somebody in here that can do it right. If you can do it better than me, that's what I told the trustees. I said, I may not be the best pe uh, preacher in the world, but I beat a zero. So until God calls someone else and gifts them to be here, you're stuck with me. Sorry about your luck. Amen. Well, he says here, and look at it in, in verse number 8, he says for. Now what's the word for mean? It means because. So when you read the word for in the scripture, it says because to one is given, okay, whatever the gift is. All right? We're not going to get into all the different gifts. Now if you'll look in verse 7, it says, or verse 8, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And then if you look on down through there, in the next three verses, he says, and to another, and to another, and to another. And in three verses, he says it eight times. Huh. You know what that means to me? There better be nine of us in church if we want to see all the gifts of God work in our services. Right? Because to another, he's going to. To another, he's going to. I don't have to do it all. 
If God gifts you, use your gift. Amen. That's what it's all about. Based on that, I'm of the opinion that no one, no, well, not one person has all the gifts. He might give you one and to another and to another and to another. And some of us may have more than one gift. And there may be some that have the same gift you have. And God will make opportunity for you to use those gifts in the kingdom of God. And I also believe that the gifts are to be handled in a humble fashion. So if you're a singer and you sing and you miss a couple of notes and somebody else gets up and sings and hits every one of them right on the head, you don't have to feel bad about it. Just know you've got to practice. God gave you that gift, practice it. Use it and let everyone else profit with all. See, even in singing, it's not, we're not here for competition. See who can sing the best. Amen. I'd hate to put you all down that way. Because once I got done, you'd all probably say, well, no sense me singing anymore. If it's a competition, it's over. Amen. I've been begging me to get on the voice and, and win that million dollars, but I told them I don't need their million dollars. I'm not going to bother. Amen. So when we get into the things that God wants us to do, we just need to do it as humbly as we know how. And someone uh, called to, to boast of some of the gifts that they've had and all the different things, that's not humility. God boasted me with 17 gifts. Well, hallelujah. But come on now. Let's, let's get down to the real world. Amen. And with that being said, I do believe that a person can operate in more than one. In, a, in different areas at different times, but that it's up to the Holy Spirit to say what gifts you should be operating with. For this service, without going into any in all the gifts that are there, look at verse 11. It says, but, what's that mean? On the other hand, all these gifts are there, but on the other hand, all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. That's important. Those last three words make all the difference. God is the one that gives out the gifts through his Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me read that verse 11 in the everyday. One spirit the same Spirit does all these things and the Spirit decides what to give each person. Hmm. I'm glad that's not my job. Amen. I'm glad the Spirit of God takes charge of the spiritual gifts because I'd probably um, hand them out wrong and everything would, nothing would work right. But if the Spirit gives you the gift, it'll work. Trust me, it'll work. Amen. Whatever he tells you to do for the kingdom of God, it'll work. Amen. Amen. It, it, just that way. Amen. No one can be all things to all people. But the Spirit of God can gift several people as he sees fit to perform the work of God in all the areas to get the work of God done in the kingdom of God. Do you realize that Jesus Christ only had three years of earthly ministry. And I'll just about guarantee you there were people on this earth that never got to see him. They may have heard of him. Somebody may have told him about him. You know, while he was in Nazareth, they were in Jerusalem. And while he was in Jerusalem, they were at the Jordan River. And who knows? But nobody, if that is confined to a physical body can be everywhere all the time. Huh. That's why God in his wisdom left it up to the Holy Spirit to give gifts to men so the gospel could be spread all around the world. Amen? If Jesus was still a human being today, 
And I've heard people say, I wish he was here. I'd like to walk in the same footsteps he walks in. I'd like to be right there where I could touch the hem of his garment. I'd just like to look him right in the eye and ask him questions. Well, you're dumb questions. He's not interested in anyway. But a lot of people would say, he, I'd like, but if he was here in the human, say he's in this building, in the human, that wouldn't be helping the people across the tracks. That wouldn't be helping the people down the road. Amen. He'd be confined as a human to one place at one time. But when he turns it over to the Holy Spirit, now we see where the gifts can come into play. Now we can see how God can blow this thing all over this world and everybody can benefit from it. Everyone can profit with all. Amen? And you know, even if Jesus was still here in his earthly ministry, the footprints he laid down, everywhere he went, is smaller than the state of New Jersey. Hmm. Now, I know he traveled from Judea down to Israel, down to Egypt. I know he covered a lot of territory. Ain't nothing. That's a drop in the bucket to what there is people in the world today. So Jesus couldn't be here and do it by himself, but he knew who he could send a comforter that could do it. He knew if he left, things were going to happen. So because of God and his wisdom, he saw fit to send the Holy Spirit into the hearts of the Christians around the world, and the whole world has had the gospel spread to all those that choose to walk with God. Amen. I think that would have been a very inspiring thought to the Apostle Paul as he preached his heart out, got thrown in jail for it, got beat up for it, got blinded for it, got whatever you want to say about him, shipwrecked how many times, but to know that he could look out and see the Holy Spirit of God moving on hearts of people that wanted to be gifted and be a part of what God was doing for his people, he had to see that that was really something challenging for him to do. Amen. Now, I don't even expand here today on the spiritual gifts that he names. In verse 8, 9, and 10, there's just a partial list anyway. Amen? In those three verses, it lists nine spiritual gifts. If you drop down in verse 28, I didn't read it, but in that, you're going to find eight more spiritual gifts listed. Amen? Plus, there's other scriptures that have even more spiritual gifts listed. I, I, I tried to study it out, but the problem is don't waste your time studying out how many different gifts there are. You know why? Because there's going to be new ones from time to time pop up. You know what you could have done with all these gifts? You had all these gifts in the first century. Oh, great. But what did that do for you today? Hmm? Well, God is a God that can step up and challenge our hearts today to be what we need to be, and he'll gift us through his Holy Spirit to do those things. Amen. So there may be gifts in our day and time that the Holy Spirit chooses to use that's not even got a biblical listing to it. Huh. But if that's what God wants from you and me as our part of the kingdom of God going forward, I say amen to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's do it, Lord, whatever it is. Amen. I never have read in the scriptures about the gift of being a sound man in the services. Huh. But we have one. He's pretty gifted at it. Amen. I appreciate it. Huh. He makes it easy for those that do sing to play the music for him, keep them on key, Keep them on time as they sing their song. Isn't that great? Amen. Now, I never read anywhere where somebody's supposed to be a, a video gifted somebody. I'm not. Amen. I'm, I don't even go back there. Only time I go back there is to, to give him money or give him a receipt or give him a, the notes on the message I, I believe God laid on my heart. I don't touch a single button back there. I know I'd 
blow the thing up if I touched it. Amen. That's just not my calling. Huh. But I don't read in the scripture where you should have a calling to be a sound man or a video person. But it sure is a benefit to everybody. Huh? Isn't that cool? Some of you are too lazy to carry a Bible, so you just read it up there. Right? Besides, we turn too many pages as we... It's right there. Amen. Well, that's a gift. Praise God. Someone is doing it to the benefit of all of us. Thank you, Mike. Well, I'm not allowed to brag on him, but he gets a, a big job done because if I brag on him, he'd get a big head and then I'd have to go bust his bubble. Amen. I wouldn't have to want to do that. Amen. I never read in the scriptures where there's a, a spiritual gift for printing bulletins. But thank you, Marcia. Amen. Everybody should come to church and get one. There's always plenty. If you didn't get one, it's your fault. It's not hers. It's not mine. It's not even Tom's. Amen. Amen. It's your fault if you didn't get one. Amen. But when they're there and they even correct all the mistakes that I have made and all the things, besides, I enjoy doing the puzzles that are on the back page. They challenge me to do that. Amen. So take advantage of that. That's a gift. Amen. I couldn't do it. Amen. I, I have trouble turning the computer on, let alone uh, running a printer and everything else and lining everything else. I, if you do it for uh, several times, maybe it becomes easy, but it's still a gift that God could use in the kingdom of God. Now, there's no gift for cleaning or decorating in the church. Huh. Did you know that? But the church needs to be comfortable and attractive to the outsiders. Amen. I think we need to have somebody with the gift of cobweb removal. Well, you need to look at that window right up there. All right. Hey, it's a gift. Amen. If God calls you to jump on them cobwebs, all right, there you go. Amen. But with the outsiders coming in, we need to put our best foot forward and decorating the church with whatever, yes. however you want to do it. Uh, if you're out at a store and you see something that looks nice and you want to bring it in, a nice pot of flowers or whatever, a lot of times when we've had a funeral, for a week or so afterwards, we have flowers that the family has sent to the church in memory of. Those are decorative things. Those are um, something that we can benefit from because we have a memory of that person that once maybe have attended here or something that they want to give to the church and help the church be attractive. Amen? Amen. You don't have to have the cleaning gift of the Spirit of God because we do have someone we hire to do that. But if you see something out of place, don't walk by and point to, hey, did you see that out of place? Go get Man, that looks terrible, don't it? And then just walk off and leave it looking terrible. Well, you do. Amen. I know Rob used to tease Brother Beasler. Brother Beasler couldn't stand for a piece of paper to be on the floor. So he, every time he walked by him, he'd throw a baby gum wrapper or candy wrapper on the floor close to Brother Beasler to see if he'd go pick it up. Every time he went and got it. Amen. He had the gift of cleaning, didn't he? <laughs> Amen. But you know what? When you see trash, pick it up. Put it in the trash can. Amen. If trash can's full, empty it. We got dumpsters out back. We'll give you a new liner to put in the can. Amen. You don't have to be specially gifted of God to do some of the things around the church. That'll be a benefit to everybody. And even be a benefit to those that don't come here on a regular basis, but they don't want to come into a dirty church. They don't want to come into a stinky church. Amen. Things have to be taken care of. Amen. When we all pull together in the work of God and the will of God, the church can go forward. Things will get done. Everyone can profit from those gifts, and God gets the glory. Amen. It just might be that God will direct me to speak 
on the biblical lists of the gifts of the Spirit of God. But until then, why don't we just ask God, what do you want me to do? Where is my part in being part of the work of the kingdom of God right here at Faith Christian Fellowship? I want to see things be the best they can be, and I want God to get the glory for it. That's the way I look at it. Amen. I'm not too good to dump the trash, but I shouldn't have to stop my message. Go down. Well, I'll be right back. I've got to go dump the trash, and then I'll be right back. When he's called me to speak the gospel, I need to be able to do that. But if there's a distraction somewhere, it needs to be handled. Amen? We need to do it, and we need to do it for the benefit of God and the benefit of souls. Amen? If you study the word gifts in your Strong's Concordance, not in the first verse, but the rest of the places that it appears in this chapter, you'll find your concordance says it comes from the Greek word that we know as charisma. Hmm, what do you think of when you think of someone with charisma? Amen. You think they're gifted, they're talented, there's something that is out there that they got something not everybody can do as well as they do because of the charisma they have. Well, that's the word also that relates to the fact that God gave us his grace. The same word for charisma or gift is the same root word that we get the word grace from. Now, what do we say grace is? We usually call it unmerited favor or something we didn't deserve that God gave us. Well, that's what a gift is. You didn't deserve the gift that God gave you, but he gave it to you because he knows if you're the child of God he's wanting you to be, you're going to take that gift and use it in the kingdom of God to profit with all. Everybody's going to enjoy the gift you got. Amen? We not only need to see the spiritual gifts as God has gifted them, but as an extension of his grace in our lives to further the gospel in the lives of others as well as our spiritual growth. Amen? I get excited when I can look back and see where I've grown in an area because God told me to do it this way. If I'd have done it my way, it probably wouldn't have worked. And I probably wouldn't have grown from it. But because of the grace of God, I can look back in those areas of my life and say, wow, thank you, Lord. And I did it, not so I'd get a pat on the back, but I did it so everyone would profit from it. We're all in this together, and we all need to grow together in every gift that God gives us. Amen. We're in trouble with God when we become satisfied with where we are spiritually. Amen. I've said it before. You're as spiritual as you want to be. There's plenty of room for spiritual growth in everything that God has for us. So God wants us to grow spiritually in our daily walk with him and in his wisdom. And spiritual gifts is the way he uses us that we can grow and be what he wants us to be in every avenue he wants to use us. Amen? Now, if you just go to church just to do your own thing, amen, you're probably going to go home discouraged. But guess what? If you came to church and you not only got to use your spiritual gifts, but you got to profit from all the spiritual gifts, you're probably going to go home challenged and go home excited, go home enthused about the work that God's trying to do. And that's what we want to get accomplished in all that we do in the kingdom of God. We want to see God glorified and worshiped in our service and that everybody that comes can see the hand of God in all that we do. Amen. To see Brother Dude move, pfft, no big deal. Amen. But to see the hand of God move, now we're talking. Now we want to see something great happen for him. Amen. Spiritual gifts. We need to make sure we're open to the Spirit of God. Allow him 
opportunity. You know what? A lot of people don't get a spiritual gift because God offers them one. They say, nah, that's too small for me. That's too dirty. I give you the spiritual gift, but it's going to be mopping the kitchen floor. Uh, I don't want to do that. Well, I think God also, I, I know you all want the, the gift of wisdom and the God, gift of prophesying and teaching and all that, but you know what? Just like on your job where you work, they don't hire you in at the top. They hire you in at the base level, and you have to work your way up the ladder to get to the top. Amen. Same way in the kingdom of God. Amen. When your boss brags on you for how good a job you did, guess what? Might be a promotion or pay raise or more benefits or whatever in your future. Same is true in the kingdom of God. When God looks down and says, you did a great job mopping the kitchen floor. You know what? Next time, he'll probably have you doing something different, something bigger, because you're going to get to climb the spiritual ladder and be more what God wants you to be in the kingdom of God. So whatever you do for the kingdom, do it with all your might and let God have all the glory for it and then see where God can take you as you walk daily with him in the kingdom of God. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.